Welcome to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate series. This podcast presents topical global business stories that affect Bermuda. Series host Shivani Seth interviews business leaders and experts in finance, insurance, reinsurance, risk, accounting, and other business services. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the RG Business Navigate series. I am Shivani Sait and I'm your host. Today I'm joined by Pat Welsh, the Chief ESG and Ratings Policy Officer, and Van Hesser, Senior Managing Director and Chief Strategist at KBRA. Welcome to both of you this morning in the podcast studio. Thank you. Thank it's you, Shivani. Nice to be here. So let's begin. Having hosted a podcast with your colleagues, Jim Nadler and Kate Kennedy, back in April, I'm delighted to welcome you here and delighted to be discussing KBRA's approach to ESG in the credit rating process and how you're actually keeping pace with the rapidly changing financial environment. So to kick off, could I please begin by asking you about your respective roles at KBRA? Please introduce yourselves and and tell us more about what you do. Great, sure. Um, I'm Pat Welch, um, and I am uh, the Chief uh, ESG and Ratings Policy Officer um, at KBRA. Um, I have been doing that role for about um, going on two years. Um, I've been with KBRA going on six years. Prior to that, I was at Goldman Sachs for 19 years. Um, And my, my entire career has been in credit risk analysis. And I mention that because... Um, it was deliberate uh, choice by Jim Nadler to ask me to um, head up the ESG effort because, and we'll talk about this today, um, we have a very specific and we think somewhat unique approach to how we're addressing ESG, which is that we connect it to credit risk. Okay, thank you. And I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. I've been at the firm now six years. Uh, we have we started this idea 12 years ago and uh, have met with terrific success uh, among our market constituents and it's been uh, it's been fun to go out and build what we think is a better rating agency my role is chief strategist at the firm which is really a macro credit view uh, how the economy corporate performance geopolitics all affect the credit asset class you know we think it's enormously important to maintain that 30,000-foot view coupled with our, you know, deep-in-the-weeds uh, credit analysis. It's, you know, the two go hand-in-hand, hand, and we want to make sure that we're not missing something uh, on the macro level that is ultimately going to affect uh, our ratings. And so my job is to keep track of those kinds of things and uh, communicate it both internally and externally. Thank you. So perhaps beginning with you then, Van, with a credit markets update, I see that you host your own weekly KBR podcast on three things in credit. So maybe I should be worried today. You're going to be a lot better at this than me. Mm. Um, Obviously, the headlines we are constantly reading worldwide are all about deepening recession, inflation, the war in the Ukraine and oil prices. What are the trends that you are noticing at the moment and how is a continued downturn going to affect the markets? Sure. Well, I, I started doing this weekly podcast uh, about a year and a half ago, and I can't think of a time in my 30 years in markets uh, that has been this active, really, across um, so many different variables. You know, coming out of a 100-year health crisis, uh, you know, into unprecedented uh, 
fiscal and monetary accommodation really around the world and then the correction that's come from it. So we've spent a lot of time talking on the podcast and and honestly doing, you know, incorporating that into our credit work, really the effects of correction, right? So it's from supercharged, stimulus-fueled growth back to normal, right? Now, the, the consequence of all of that really has been the highest inflation in 40 years, and so this is all, in some respects, comes down to central banks, right? Central banks... Um, out taming inflation, um, in doing so, introduces recession risk back into markets. That's not something we've had to think about, um, save the spring of 2020. But, you know, recession risk isn't really something that markets have had to process um, for about 15 years or so. So that recession risk creeping, creeping back into markets um, really does question valuations that um, had built up across asset classes and now those two are going to correct, right? So interestingly, we've, got, so we've seen those valuations come back to long-term averages. They came back really, really quickly over the course of 2022. Um, and I think markets now are really confused about what the future looks like, whether we're talking about credit or stocks or, or uh, government bond markets. It is really a dynamic environment. Okay, and you, you talk about taming inflation. How effective do you feel the recent monetary policy has been, uh, the, the monetary policy in tightening interest rates has been in actually taming that inflation? Is it working? I mean, interestingly, um, you know, central banks will, will guide investor expectations or, or just folks in the economy um, two ways. One, they can do it very explicitly by raising rates. The other thing they can do is jawboning, right? So they can talk up the risks of what they're seeing and ultimately what they're going to do. And so we think they've been really successful, um, say, in the housing market, which was quickly getting very inflated yes. uh, in the U.S. And um, in, in talking up uh, the need to tighten uh, financial conditions, we've really seen mortgage rates rise in the U.S. dramatically, now up toward um, 7%. Um, which has really cooled um, the housing market. And honestly, that's one of the goals um, okay. that the Fed had. Elsewhere, I think it's going to take time, right? We've done, you know, what, the equivalent of shock and awe um, in, in raising um, rates now three times at 75 basis points a clip. That's the fastest we've ever seen interest rates go up. Um, and, you know, it typically takes six to 18 months for those effects to really flow through to the economy. So we are on the lookout for how that's going to ultimately affect um, economic activity. Um, but, you know, rest assured, this is really, really dramatic tightening of financial conditions, so much so that, you know, the broad consensus now is that the Fed is going to have to um, throw the U.S. economy into recession in order to tame inflation. A little bit like the U.K. at the moment then. Oh, a whole other story. <laughs> that is another story for another day. So, uh my final question on this point for you, actually, I, I note from an article yesterday that you've actually rated or KBRA has rated Bermuda A+. So just just a, a word on that, really. It's a very positive outlook for Bermuda. Is there something that you could say on on the island and our great credit rating that we've been awarded by yourselves? So I can I can uh, say that um, I think, uh, you know, we we'd be uh, well served to have our sovereign lead analyst here to discuss that. But I, I know that in um, reading at the reports that we've put out, I think there is a very strong feeling about 
Bermuda's resiliency. And certainly, I know they've acknowledged uh, some things um, where, of areas uh, for potential improvement. But I think in the, in the context of all that's been happening economically around the world, I think this was a, um, a really strong, uh, positive view in that context. Thank you. We're, we're always excited to hear about Bermuda moving forward in a positive light. So KBRA is certainly, a u- is certainly unique in the marketplace as a credit rating agency as you assess each individual, individual credit that could be affected by ESG factors, both indirectly and directly. So a question for you both. How have you incorporated ESG considerations within the overall credit rating framework? This is a great question to start with um, because there's so much to say on this topic. Um, And let me just start with um, making sure that people understand that there are two perspectives one can have on ESG, if you want to break it into a simplified view. Um, One perspective is I think about it as an internal view of how ESG is impacting company's financial profile. Okay, okay. So I think of that as, uh, think of the word internal. Um, the second perspective is more of an external view, which is how are the character the ESG characteristics of a company or an issuer, debt issuer, how are those impacting the world? And those two different perspectives um, it's really important to understand them because uh, oftentimes they're trying to address in, in various elements different things. Now, financial risk, I think, is pretty clear. That's where we come in, and that's where we harness ourselves in terms of uh, addressing ESG because we're a credit rating agency. And so, you know, our scope is narrower in the sense that it's just focused on factors that impact, you know, financial risk or credit risk. Um, but that doesn't make it easy. Um, there's lots of ESG factors um, that can impact credit risk and that are likely to evolve over time. And so that's going to require lots of good data and lots of good analysis. So it's like any other credit issue. There's evolution and you need to stay on top of it. But that's distinctly different from this concept of how a, an issuer is impacting the world. And, uh, you know, we, I can draw some distinctions, I think, that might help. When you think about a credit rating, um, which have been around for decades and are really fundamentally, um, you know, captured in the infrastructure of the, of the uh, debt capital markets, there's a reason that that has come to be. And the reason is because credit ratings, although they may be complex to derive, they are very simple in their objective. The objective is to try to estimate the risk of default yes. of an issuer. Okay, And so um, that's one characteristic. Another characteristic is that most credit rating agencies around the world have a uniform credit scale that they use. So it's speaking a common language all the time. Another thing is that there is ample uh, relevant and comparable data um, 
that one has access to to derive an opinion about risk of default. And then, you know, finally, you can measure the performance of a credit rating or, or a, a, a credit rating agency's history of ratings by backtesting those ratings. And you can see um, how well they're performing in the context of, of what they're intending to do and, and, and say. And so the, all of those features, when you add them all up, um, that is the reason credit ratings have had sort of, I, I would say, immense utility uh, in the uh, capital markets. They, those features are all of them very important to create that utility. Now, if we look at ESG uh, on the impact side, like what is a company, how is that company impacting the world? When you look at how to score that, you, you don't have any of those features, no. really. <laughs> you have different rating scales. You have multiple different metrics that are trying to be objectively, you're trying to draw some conclusion, as opposed to one objective, say risk of default. There's many objectives within a, an ESG score. There's lots of problems with data and uh, lack of data. Um, and then, you know, that means it's very difficult to compare them across, um, across companies, and it's very difficult to backtest the results of those. Right. And then a final point I'll make is there's a lot of subjectivity then when you put it all together in an ESG score, for example, um, that uh, requires subjectivity in weighting. So, you, you know, how much does one factor more... Uh, matter more than another factor. So all, for all of these reasons, it's important to understand those two different perspectives of ESG. And what I will say is that KBRA from day one has been harnessed to the idea of understanding how ESG impacts financial risk. Thank you, because it is certainly a, a big struggle for everybody. When you yep. think of ESG, you're not entirely certain what is the strategy of each company and what are they taking into play? What, what are they putting in play for it? Right, exactly. Yeah, Shivani, I would add to kind of follow on Pat's comments that, you know, in my long time of looking at markets, I think of two factors that have been fun, that have fundamentally driven uh, investor flows in one direction or another of this magnitude. The first is technology. The second is ESG. So it is a remarkable phenomenon that markets have come to grips with. Uh, over the last couple of years. Looking at it from a market's perspective, right, we do um, assess each issuer's story, right, about how they um, want to position themselves to an ESG-oriented investor, right? Um, you know, how will the demand for either that company's stocks and bonds, that can affect cost of capital, or for its goods and services, that can affect profitability, right? So this, these are important things that do get back to what Pat talked about, and that is materiality in terms of credit risk. That's what we do at KBRA. Um, we're not going to um, try and guess or take a view as to any one particular investor's own values um, orientation. We're going to focus solely on um, how, how material is this to that issuer's credit risk. And in some instances, it can be very material. Okay. And, and, you know, I'd like to also say at that point that each podcast that I've had this year with different companies, I obviously had um, one purely on ESG, but whether it's been an accountancy firm, a law firm, an insurance company, uh, a broking company, 
ESG is very much at the forefront of everybody's strategy, but it's always interesting from my perspective to try and understand, well, in which way is it at the forefront? Because exactly. I'm not sure, is it just saying we have an ESG policy or is it that people have understood? So I feel that we're all learning at the same time uh, and that's great. So you're providing some fantastic analysis and insight on this. Yes, if I could just add one more comment. I, I and, and uh, you know, I may talk a little bit more about this as we as we move along, but I, I want to make it clear that we're not suggesting that only the perspective of how ESG impacts financial risk is the only thing that's important. We understand that there's a lot of investors focused on how companies are impacting the world. And in yes. fact, that's really the core motivation of ESG is yes. to, in theory, or in ho- hopefully improve the world. So we're not suggesting that that's some kind of weaker perspective. But we are, I wanted to start my comments with, with making it clear that there is a distinction in those perspectives and that KBRA is taking the one perspective um, yes. and, and others may be doing things on the impact perspective, but, it, but you can't really understand the entire landscape until you understand those two perspectives. And by the way, in Europe, they call that double materiality. Okay. And so, you know, that's a common, that's something the Europeans have understood for quite some time, and okay. they've drawn the distinction, and I think that's helpful. We have less of that distinction in the U.S., and that's less helpful. Okay, well, thank you. That's yeah. very clear. Uh, so, Pat, actually, could you talk more about your role as Chief ESG and Ratings Policy Officer at KBRA? You've talked a little bit about KBRA's strategy. How is it evolving and a question I love to ask all the time is, what is most important, the E, the S, or the G? Excellent. Um, okay, so let me just start with the idea that I uh, was asked to do this job after formally being the chief credit officer. And so, you know, the idea there was we want to harness ourselves in what we're doing for the marketplace in the context of what we do for the marketplace, which is credit risk analysis. So we started in a place... Um, focused on credit risk, and a lot of that came from um, discussions, many discussions that we had with investors and also issuers um, to make sure we fully understood the complexities of what ESG is in the world. And it's then that we really started to understand there's these two perspectives. Um, And so in terms of evolution, we haven't really changed much from that original view. But what we have done is spend a lot of time focusing on sector by sector, how does ESG present itself as credit risk? What is that intersection? And, you know, um, we spend a lot of time in each sector developing uh, topics and questions that we think reside in the intersection of credit risk and ESG risk. So, you know, a lot of ESG um, credit risks have been around. They have been uh, things that have been addressed. They may not have been labeled as such, but they've been around. But that's not a sufficient answer because credit risk is always evolving, and so is ESG credit risk. And so, you know, we are spending a lot of time developing a a list of questions and topics sector by sector that 
you know, some may apply to a given issuer in that sector or, and some may not on that, on that topic list. But we understand that our analysts, if they have sort of a cheat sheet of questions that they, and topics that they can pursue, then um, they have an ability to really develop the credit story as it relates to ESG for an issuer. Um, so the evolution here is one of evolving our view on how ESG is impacting credit risk, and, and that takes multiple forms across different sectors and certainly can present itself in different ways uh, across each issuer within a sector. Thank you. And so did we actually answer what is more important, the E, uh, the S, or we the didn't. G? I was sorry. trying to avoid that, sorry. Um, <laughs> So the answer to that question, and this is not a dodge, this is a truth, is that it, it depends on the issuer. And, you know, you can have, uh, and it can even depend at a higher level, at, at a sector level, but certainly issuer by issuer, it depends. And um, we've found that in some sectors, you know, there may be an issuer who, um, where E is by far the most pronounced um, ESG uh, factor, and you can think of the energy sector, for example. Um, but then you can go into that sector and look at different issuers, and you can find that the E is nowhere near as pronounced for a given issuer, even in that sector, than, than others. So, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to dodge the, the question. I do think it depends. I do think... Um, there are some um, factors that we think are very relevant to credit now, but certainly in the future, and we can talk more about those. Okay. Um, so we've talked a lot about ESG factors. What do you feel would be the main ESG factors that have the highest likelihood of affecting credit risk analysis? So in particular, climate risk is certainly becoming more severe, as we're all noticing. Uh, how will the credit rating that you produce manage the challenge of the rapidly changing climate? So we have um, at KBRA developed a view that there are three um, key issues that reside in the intersection of credit risk and the world of ESG. So those are naturally the issues that we have um, put a spotlight on in our own internal analysis. Um, and, um, and I think this is just uh, randomly the case, but it happens that there are, in these three issues, there's one each for E, S, and G okay. um, in the way we categorize them. So that might not have been the case it could have been just three E issues that we thought were the most important credit issues and everything else was um, nowhere near as important. But there's, but there's three issues. And so on, under the environment, um, the key issue that we're focused on is climate, climate transition, and specifically carbon, carbon emissions. Okay. Because um, there, are, there is some regulation on carbon around the world, um, but what we see there with carbon in particular and really other climate issues is an evolution towards more risk. Right. And so we more credit risk. So that naturally uh, makes sense uh, to be uh, an important focus point for us. Under S, um, this, this category 
is what we call stakeholder preference. You can think of it as reputation risk amongst the population of, of people that you serve as a company. Um, and that can be employees, that can be regulators, that can be the media, uh, that can be consumers, investors. You know, there's a lot of different constituents. Um, stakeholder preference risk is this idea that people can, and this has happened throughout time, um, people can unify uh, into one voice uh, some view about a company. It could be positive, it could be negative. Um, but if you look at the negative side, um, if you look back in history, um, you know, when it comes to people sort of protesting something about a company, um, what you would have found going way back in time when I was in college um, <laughs> is people just sort of out front of a building boycott, you know, like p- with picket yes. signs, yes. you know. And if you ha- didn't happen to drive by that, that uh, company that day, you wouldn't have even known there was some kind of protest going on. Well, now, because of the Internet, because of social media uh, platforms, um, people can can uh, coalesce around an issue almost instantaneously and with great power. Okay. And so that concept of stakeholder preferences, stakeholder values, stakeholder wishes, is very much in the intersection of credit risk and ESG. Um, you know, you see, you can, you can probably randomly open up the news today and find something in this, in this context. Uh, Think about a CEO who says something um, really stupid, really wrong, um, and, and he or she is fired the yes. next day. Yes. Okay, that kind of stuff didn't happen the way it happens today. And we think 10 years from now, it'll be even a larger impact. So stakeholder preference under social is a major issue for us. And then the third one um, is under governance and that is cybersecurity risk. Okay. And we think that's a major issue. Uh, you aren't seeing companies left and right default uh, on their debt over this issue. But as Jules Kroll, who founded our firm and was really kind of the godfather of corporate investigations, has sa- uh, said uh, many times, you know, we've been in World War III uh, over this issue of cybersecurity for many years now. And so, you know, it's only logical that that's going to become more of a real financial risk. And so we're watching that issue very closely and studying it and figuring out how to incorporate that into credit risk. So there's, there's three uh, main factors. Um, I think that answers your question. Yes, it does. I was going to say that during the pandemic, actually, cybersecurity was severely exposed. And as you said, yes. very much in the future, it's something that has to be analyzed, yes. watched, and, and it will only but grow. Yes. Uh, might be a bit of a daft question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. No you, such thing. Uh, about stakeholder, the stakeholder risks mm. and things. Is there such a thing as stakeholder bias? Do you, do you ever have to yes. deal with, with any issues arising from stakeholder bias? We talked about it from the, or rather you spoke about it from the perspective of the stakeholder, but in terms of an individual or a company wanting to know more about the stakeholders and what their input is, how do you manage stakeholder bias? Right. So 
um, I think I understand the context of your question, and I and I think it's it's a really good question, especially from the perspective of what we're trying to capture in a credit risk analysis. So we are agnostic as to the issue or to um, what side somebody may be on okay. in an issue. Yes. Right, that is irrelevant to us if we are highly and specifically focused on how it might result in credit risk. Right. So that's important because when we think about stakeholder risk, it's all over the map. I mean, anybody can cause stakeholder problems for anybody in in effect. So one example that's recent that I think is worth highlighting is that, um, you know, there's somewhat of a coordinated um, pushback backlash on ESG happening in the states right now, um, particularly with the uh, Republican-led states uh, where they're Republican governors. um, And what's happening is they're creating um, laws that say, you know, um, if you are doing things to undermine, say, for example, our energy businesses in whatever state you want to name, or if you're doing something to undermine, um, you know, the prospects of, say, a gun manufacturer that, that resides in our state, um, then you're violating a law in this state, and we will not do business with you in any other way. And okay. so for them, you know, they, they represent, let's say you're a bank, and we've seen this now, where major banks have come out and said, you know, we're not going to do business with gun manufacturers. Okay. Okay. And uh, one state in particular has said, okay, you, that's violation of one of our laws. Um, the state of our state will no longer do any kind of business with you. You're not allowed to underwrite any of our debt offerings as a state. And so you can see from the bank's perspective, the stakeholder is that state, and they're yes. saying we're not going to use your, we're not going to hire you. So, you know, to us, it's really kind of we're agnostic as to which direction. What we're what we're, what we're realizing is that stakeholderism comes from all directions. Okay, thank you. That was actually very important to understand that. So, when we think about ESG, it is quite the evolving minefield. How easy, you talked a little bit about this earlier, but just to hone in on it a little bit more, how easy is it to access ESG data? You know, how transparent is the marketplace becoming, as you both spoke earlier, that credit rate, credit analysis has been there for years and years, so you have that to fall back on. Yes. But, but when it comes to ESG, where are we? So I, I would, I want to start with uh, reminding again of the two different perspectives of ESG. So from the perspective of how, Um, ESG factors may be internally affecting the financial profile of a company, I would say to you, I think there is fairly clear data and information about that. Although, as I said, that's evolving. So I gave you the three key factors. We think those are going to evolve, and we think there's going to be more and better data on each of those. How How is the fact that a company's characteristics on the climate on its carbon emissions, how is that translating to credit risk? I think you can see the picture right now, but I think it's going to evolve and you're going to have to have better data. So on the financial side, I would say it's not horrible. And, and, and some of that points to the fact that 
if it's a credit risk, we've probably been, we've hopefully have been addressing <laughs> it forever, right? Yes. Um, it's now has a different label, but, 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 you know, no credit rating agency is going to survive, whether it's an ESG factor or any other factor, if it's a credit risk and they're not picking it up. Okay. So I think on that side of the, the equation, um, it's not bad. It's got to get better and improve with the evolution of these risks. On the impact side, how is a company impacting the world? Um, that is fraught with problems. Okay. And that meaning the data. Right. It's just a huge problem. Uh, people have um, lots of desire for various types of information. And part of the problem is not everybody agrees on what data is important, what, what really matters from okay. an impact point of view. On the credit side, I think it's clear. You can analyze how it might impact a risk of default. On the impact side, your perspective on some issue might be different from mine. And if it is, you may want different kind of data than I want. So I think data is a huge issue on the impact side. I think regulators understand this. And I think this is why you're seeing the regulatory action that's taken place, the priority that regulators have focused on is on disclosure. Yes. Why? Because if they require a certain disclosure, it is inevitably going to lead to better data. Yes. And, and talking about disclosure and regulators, that's leading nicely into my next question. Uh, are ESG rating providers regulated? When Jim was here in April, he talked about greenwashing of ESG scores. You've talked a lot about that. People can't quite decide what's important to them. So are we closer to a policy being put in place to help with this? So they're not regulated, and it's a major, major issue in our, you know, from KBRA's point of view. Um, credit ratings are very much regulated, and, and a lot of that is uh, as a result of the great financial crisis and this idea that credit rating agencies actually contributed um, to the problems that, that uh, showed up during the, the financial crisis. In fact, KBRA, um, Jules Kroll and Jim Nadler founded KBRA on the premise that rating agents, credit rating agencies did not do the job they should have been doing. And, um, you know, so I think that is an important distinction between another important distinction between credit ratings and ESG rated product. Their ESG ratings are not regulated. Um, and, you know, you can, I mean, you don't have to spend very much time to see that there are a lot of people in the world that have huge problems with ESG scores. Yes. And part of it is because without regulation, then it's not, it's sort of like the wild, wild west. It's not clear what matters. And if it's not clear what matters, then the question is, well, what is the motivation behind the score? What are they trying to achieve? If you don't know the methodology and you don't know the approach, you know, it really begs the question, what utility does this have? So I would say that I know for a fact that regulators are looking closely at this. They've said so. I know for a fact that legislators are looking closely at this around the world. They've said so. Um, there needs to be improvement in ESG ratings, and it will not be surprising to see some action very soon on that. Okay, well, well, arguably we're in an ESG crisis at the moment, mm -hmm. so hopefully that will push everybody in the yes. right direction to get that policy together. Uh, so my final question, I hope I haven't grilled you too much. Uh, as I know from my last podcast with Jim and Kate, 
KBRA rates Butterfield Bank and, and a number of insurers here on island. So looking to the future as companies continue to develop their own ESG strategies, how will this influence corporate credit ratings? So that's a great question, and because uh, you know, certainly from, uh, as I, as I've mentioned on the credit side, um, the one thing that we know is that the risk is evolving. We've given you know the three key areas that we're focused on. By the way, that's not an exhaustive list. I want to make that clear. Okay. We we look at lots and lots of different topics and questions when we. Um, do our due diligence in the credit rating process for any given issuer. But those three are key issues. And what I can say on those three key issues is they're going to evolve. They're going to become bigger risk. You know, it's hard to see them, cybersecurity becoming lesser of a risk or climate issues becoming lesser of a risk or stakeholders becoming somehow more silent. Those are going to grow. And I think companies are going to be well served to understand those three particular topics, as it relates to, you know, the profile of their, their credit worthiness, um, but others as well. And so, and I do, and I, and I can say to you, you know, two years or so ago, um, ESG was a pretty, you know, it wasn't, it was not raised in, in many of our discussions going back just a couple of years. Now I would say, with some confidence that every single discussion we have with issuer, with investor, with regulator has some, some component of ESG in it. And so I think the issuers are well aware of this. I think they are putting into place um, planning and that nobody has all the answers. As we've talked about, there are data issues. Um, there are issues about what matters, what are the priorities, but I think uh, the issuers, in, in terms of like over a two-year period, as I've just said, you can definitely see a change. They know this is important. They are working on it. And I think, you know, that is going to have a tremendously beneficial impact on, you know, their prospects uh, for their credit ratings in the future. The ones that don't, it's the reverse answer because these are risks that are going to grow and they're going to evolve. And if you're not on top of it, it's going to come out in the credit rating. Okay. Yeah, Giovanni, I would just add that um, I always like the label of sustainability, right? Larry Fink talked about this when he sort of brought this um, in a very high-profile way back to the States, I think, in 2017. But it's this idea that you as a management team are looking ahead, paying attention to the kinds of stakeholder demands that are ultimately going to enhance or not your own sustainability, right? So if you're an energy company, right, the fact that, you know, we are going through an energy transition, right? How are you redirecting your strategy to fit into that, um, those new demands from shareholders and bondholders? If you are a retail or, or a, a consumer products manufacturer and you've got far-flung supply chains, um, into jurisdictions that might not treat workers well, ultimately that could affect right, demand for your product. So this idea that you are um, building a sustainable business means that you've got to be um, attuned to the kinds of demands that are, are out there, both from capital markets, um, the stock and bond markets, as well as, um, as well as your own consumers and clients. 
Okay, thank you. And my absolute final question, I promise, for you both. You're here this week in Bermuda, which is very exciting. You're hosting a lunch today, actually. Yes. Uh, what What are you hoping to tell everybody in Bermuda? And, you know, what are the main aims? So w we, um, some of these very things that we've just now discussed are um, on the agenda for us. It's a message to um, try to continue to be a responsible player in the marketplace. And in that, in that regard, we hope to convey messages of trying to simplify how to think about ESG um, because it has become so complex. And, you know, talk about some of these topics, uh, where the deficiencies are, why the different perspectives matter, how you can understand those perspectives to help you run your businesses. All of these things that we've talked about today, I think will be a part of that messaging. And then Van, you're going to also provide your updates. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, again, no uh, limit to the kinds of things I could, I could talk about, but one of the, the interesting um, adages time-worn in the investing world is the four most dangerous words in investing are, this time is different. That comes <laughs> from um, Sir John Templeton a uh, hundred years ago or so. That's probably not that long. Mm. Um, but the idea is that this time really is different. We're seeing things now that we really haven't seen before. And so, you know, my intent uh, at our lunch today and, and more broadly in my work is to, you know, try and make sense of where we are headed in these uncharted waters, right? It okay. really is a dramatic time in markets and um, how this is all going to play out. And it feels like we're kind of in the middle of it right now. The next, you know, year or two is going to be very, very interesting in markets for sure. And I'll just add one, one other comment. We've, this is our third ESG event on the island. And today the population will be um, a mix of insurance and reinsurance and financial institutions. So, you know, not, um, not just uh, focused on one uh, particular sector, but a broad base of, of people. And so we're really thrilled to get that opportunity. Um, it's a really profound moment um, in the context of ESG. Um, and I think, you know, people coming together to discuss this and, you know, continue to further the conversation is exactly what should be done. And we're thrilled to be a part of that. Thank you. And thank you both very much for coming on today. It's been incredibly insightful. So I'd like to thank my guests, Pat Welsh and Van Hesse, coming from KBRA. I'm Shivani Sait, and I've been your host. You've been listening to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate series with host Shivani Seth. Check the Royal Gazette for the next episode. Thank you for listening.